Here we are, Tom Ross Parry. Hello, Matthew. On the, How's it going? I'm good. We're on the <laughs> eve of podcast, as it were. Indeed. After one failed attempt at recording a podcast, here we are again, trying to record another first new episode of Tom and Matt Attack. So does that mean, Matt, you never posted the other one? I did not, no. Um, essentially, what happened... was pretty good, you know. When you asked me, was that good enough to, po- to, to post, I thought, yes, this is interesting stuff. Right, Despite see... Despite some of the technical issues, I overlooked them. The content, I agree with you, was quite interesting. And I think yeah. maybe we... I don't even know if we need to go over it all because it seems no, like it was uh, so long ago. Maybe... i tell you what I will do. I will throw that podcast on the end of this podcast as extra content. So if people are like, oh, great, new more Tom and Matt attack. And then they go, oh, God, this sounds like ass, which I, I think it does, in all fairness. Then they will be appeased, at least, with I think, our vocals. I think vocals. the real fans would stick with it. I don't know. I mean, it was very tough to edit. There's so for those of you who don't know, we are now recording over Skype. Tom is in them, their UKs. I am in their Denmark, still in the Tom and Matt shack. And there was a lot of fuss while we were trying to record it. Essentially, like both of us put on metronomes, so that was a bit tough because then it was a constant click in what we were saying. Um, then we got rid of that. Then my garage band decided, no, I'm not going to record 20 minutes in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> Everything that could go wrong went wrong. Really. Pretty much, but we learned yeah. from it. I did some research. It should be better now. Hopefully, my microphone also doesn't sound like garbage. I've tested it. It sounded all right before this. It Let's hope it stayed that way. my headphones as well, much better than it did last time. Good. Yes, I'm not using a real microphone anymore. I'm using a built-in microphone. Ooh. So it's wonderful. It all works, and Tom and Matt Attack can come to you from two separate countries, and uh, you can enjoy it that way. Exactly. On it's y- a miracle, isn't it? A miracle of the internet. Exactly. Not a Christmas miracle, though, because we are in February, but a miracle nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. it's been slow to start happening, but uh, we're we're back on the back on track again. Yeah. Well. There would, there should have been one last week, admittedly, but there we go. That's how it goes. We tried. Yeah. How are you, Tom? You right? Oh yeah, I'm all right. I've been a busy bee, busy bee just lately, fluttering around. So, no, bees don't flutter, do they? Be a bit of buzz. They buzz. Yeah. From, from uh, thing to thing. I mean, flower to flower. A bee with butterfly wings could potentially flutter, but yeah, you are right. That, that sounds like a Smashing Pumpkin song. It does. Yeah. Despite what all my. That? Despite song, all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. Yeah, it's a bullet yeah. with butterfly wings. Yeah, there you go. Yes. <laughs> but apart from so, being a bee with butterfly wings, you good? Well, I was in Liverpool um, today, actually, and I actually was having a look around, as you do. At the in Liverpool. CEX and uh, what are the uh, Granger Games, they've still got one there, or Trade Nation, as it's uh, otherwise known. Okay. And also, you know, uh, there's also places like Music... Is it Music Mania? Do you know that? You've heard of that place, Music Mania? Yes, we have one in Cardiff, I think. No, it used... it's not Music Mania. So that's what that's I call music. Place. That's entertainment. That's entertainment, yes, that's the name of it. Sorry, Music Mania is another shop. Yeah, it's, it's just music. 
But uh, yeah, that's entertainment. That's DVDs, games, music. And, and a song by The Jam. Huh? And a song by The Jam. Uh, it is a song by The Jam. I forgot where they got it from. But uh, I picked up uh, Painkiller on the Xbox 360. Okay. You don't see that around a lot. You know the Painkiller? I don't need... Ah, uh, the name rings a bell. I can't actually yeah. remember it, though. So Painkiller. I see around very often. So I thought I'd give that a go. I've been playing a bit of uh, Duke Nukem Forever recently, believe it or not. <laughs> okay. Finally caved in and bought that for a pound. And I've also been playing uh, Doom 3, the BFG edition for 360. Uh, I guess I'm on a bit of a first-person shooter kick, so uh, when I saw Painkiller, I thought, oh, that's affordable. I'll pick it up. <laughs> that's often what I think when I think of the quality of a game. I'm just like, hey, should I buy this? Oh, that's affordable. I'll get that. I'm, I'm commenting yes, on the quality, Tom. Hell and Damnation. Hell it's and Damnation. Average score. It's just uncut. Hell and Damnation uncut. Maybe that was a... Maybe I've got an improved version of it. I don't know. Maybe. Wasn't expensive. No. Do you pick up anything so, else? Yeah, yeah. I pick up games here and there. Oh, really? Sorry? I said, oh, really? I that. Oh, really? Yes. And uh, also, uh, you know, CX are selling stuff, aren't they, nowadays? Uh, retro stuff. Yeah. And, this, and despite their ludicrous prices on things, I picked up a copy of Hydro Thunder for the N64. Because I do like that game and didn't have it already. How much did that set you back? Oh, six pounds. Ooh, six pounds. What do you think about that? How much did you pay for Painkiller? Ooh, that might have been about seven pounds. So Painkiller is a game with an average score. Hydro Thunder, a game you actually want for six pounds. I'd say you did all right. I think I did all right. I think they're all right with that one, but some of their games are really expensive. You yeah, know, an unboxed Mario Kart, thirty-two quid. Yep. Hey. And, and don't get me started on their amiibo prices. Oof. Really? Are they that bad? Certain amiibos, like Sonic the Hedgehog, is like twenty-five pounds. Christ. Uh, and I'm like, oh, I can't recall that one ever being hard to get hold of. No, you have it, right? Um, do I have it? Yes, I, I do have. I it. I thought yes. it was the only amiibo you owned at one point. Uh, yeah. It's, one of the few Amiibos I own. Yeah. yeah. And a few more since. Okay, so that price of Painkiller, uh, pretty average, to be honest. Fair. I mean, CEX and everywhere else tends to be pretty on the ball with eBay. Yeah. So. Yeah. But then they've got all these retro things in now. They had a N64 in for £94. It was the uh, bl- transparent blue one. I got one of those in a drawer. <laughs> they had a Mega CD that was like 140 Four pounds or some weird number like that. They have gone up in price. Uh, when you left Denmark, uh, when our colleagues shipped in to get you a leaving gift, I was wanting to get you a Mega CD, and they'd gone up substantially. I've got a Mega CD. Yeah. Have you got yeah. one? Well, I'm glad I didn't buy you one then. Oh no, I, I was one. looking for a 32x for you. Ah, ah well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd be interested in that, of course. Thank you for thinking. I was of even me. thinking of Snatcher, and then I realised how ridiculous right. that game has also gone. Which would need a Mega CD to play it. Yes. So, yeah, I, I also noticed on eBay, I was seeing this um, this seller was advertising. They were saying, oh, I've got loads of things going up for 99p on this day. Check them out. And later on in the day, I'd look, I'd look at them and I couldn't believe some of those prices going up and up for games I thought were quite common or average. Like what, for example? It's a good question, now you say that. Uh, 
Just regular things. Just name a PlayStation game. <laughs> name a PS1 game. Tomb Raider. Tekken, Tekken 3. Yeah. Tomb Raider. I don't know. Some of these games are in demand. You know, people people want them. Yes, yes, they and people are. are willing, seemingly willing to pay more than I would have been comfortable paying for. Well, I mean, this is the thing, right? Like, if you are new to collecting, and I, I would argue that PlayStation 1 is currently on the edge of becoming an expensive platform. It's not quite at the, the Super Nintendo levels yet, not quite even mm. at the N64 levels. Mm. But if you think about it, we're now at that point in time where those people who owned N64s and PS1s have disposable income, therefore price rise. Because yeah. they all want the games they had as a kid, which means you'll see rises in Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, Tekken, probably even Ridge Racer. Uh, be- they are very common games, but they will go up yeah. in price because people have nostalgia for them. It's anything like Mario or Sonic, you know, they always jack the price up on them at these places. They too. do, yeah. Which is unfortunate because, as you say, these games are quite common. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it does sometimes work to your advantage. Yesterday, I went to a flea market in ah, DJI yeah. Husit, which you and I have frequented. The one that I saw uh, Jurassic yeah. Path, War Path at last time, which you got me so gratefully for my birthday. Still, I'm giving it a go, but I'm going to. And I had a route around, and there's the usual guy there with a lot of Game Boy games. I bought stuff previously from him, like a Pokemon uh, DS Lite and a few other mm-hmm. bits and bobs. And he had an absolute ton of new Game Boy Advance games. Uh, this is also yeah. the chap that I got that racing game from, uh, GT Racing, the top-down one that I was showing you. There was a bit, little bit like Micro Machines. Oh, that was really good. Yeah. yeah. So I went to his stall and I was just like, okay, usually he he has some new stuff every now and again. Maybe there'll be one or two things I want on his stall. As you say, his Mario titles, his Pokemon titles, his Sonic titles are quite pricey. He had Sonic 2 Advance, which is the only one I'm missing of that particular ilk. But it was about 20 quid. And I was like, I'm not going to pay you 20 quid for a loose cart of Sonic. That seems a bit ludicrous. Yeah. However, the games he had in the bag, Tom Parry, of like, you know, like the tat that were three for 50 kroner, I was it like... It wasn't tat, was it? Someone no, had... Tom Parry. There was a copy of Fire Emblem, the Sacred yeah. Stones in there, for example. Um, TMNT. Co- TMNT. Uh, it's a good side-scroller. Rave Masters, uh, which is a beat-em-up, actually. It looks anime. a bit... It is. It looks like Seng Ren Kangura Burst, from what I could see of it. Like four-player oh, right. flats green beating the crap out of each other uh, a Yu-Gi-Oh game um, a Duel Masters game D- Dragon Ball Z and that's a weird one because Dragon Ball Z is generally a game you see quite expensive but Dragon Ball Z Legend of Goku 2 was in there um, Disney Princesses and The Lion King on a two for one cart uh, Pinobi which is a game I've been meaning to play for ages and never that have that's a platform game, isn't it, with a bee? Yes, it is, by Activision. Not a bee with butterfly wings. So no, he is not. It's a regular buzzy bee. Yes. And then, Tom Parry, mm-hmm. two pretty obscure Game Boy Advance games. Um, oh, they were, were. Uh, they were Tiny Toons Adventures, Buster's Bad Dream, which is a Game Boy Advance cart that goes for about 15 to up to, like, 25 quid. Boxed copies considerably more. And a copy of Speedball 2, which is about the same. 
Yeah, so, Speedball is a very popular Amiga game, isn't it? Speedball. Yeah, is it is. Right? There's also is a version of it also on the original Game Boy and a few other consoles, SNES, Mega Drive. It's considered to be one of the best games ever made. If uh, Retro Gamer, uh, they had a poll of the uh, best games as voted for by their readers, and Speedball Two, I think, featured on that. I remember my brother having it from the Amiga and really liking yeah. it. Though to be honest with you, I cannot say for the life of me if it's any good or not. So I'm going to get into that copy on the Game Boy Advance. It's a bit like Rollerball, isn't it? Yeah. Like the movie Rollerball, if it was turned into a video game. Is yeah, it? from what I understand. Yeah. Well, me too. That's. I never played it. Maybe it's one I need to... Me neither. It. I'll dig Give into it, it, I think, before yeah. next week's podcast. And I also got uh, Dragon Ball Z uh, Legendary Super Warriors uh, for the Game Boy Colour. fighting game, is it? That's some sort of... Is it a card battling game? Or? I'm not sure because there's a few Dragon Ball games for the Game Boy. I think that particular one, because I've been doing my research on Dragon Ball games recently, as uh, if you watch any Paris pickups, uh, you'll see I've been Yeah, <laughs> I have. A few of them. But uh, I think that one's turn-based. Yes, I, from Strat- what I remember, strategy. it is a turn-based strategy or it's an RPG of some kind. Yeah. Yeah, and then I also bought Carl, Lew- Carl Lewis Athletics 2000. You know, I showed this to... Um, my girlfriend Claire, and yeah. uh, she was like, "Who's Carl Lewis?" Yeah, is he a very famous sports person? Because I can understand like uh, Kobe Bryant's NBA courtside or whatever. You know, yeah, he's a very prominent uh, sporting people. But uh, Carl Lewis. Well, looking on them, their Googles, Carl Lewis, uh, uh, sorry, I apologise, Frederick Carlton Carl Lewis is an American former track and field athlete who won nine Olympic gold medals. He won nine gold medals? Okay, so he's pretty important then. Yes, he is. Um, I mean, track and field stuff, you know, maybe it's not followed by as many people as, say, basketball. No, and I mean, you know... uh, also, we have the British bias, right? Like, we know Linford yeah, we know Christie and this kind of, like, the runners. So maybe that's just yeah. factors into that. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't know, like, Roger Clemens, who's got an MVP baseball game, for example, you know? I imagine no, in the no. world of sports within that field, he's probably a very big deal, especially if he's got a game released after him. That's right. I'm yeah. thinking of other games now with uh, sportsmen in the titles. Oh, God, there's, cr- there's tons. David I mean, there's, Beckham's soccer, of course. There's David Beckham soccer. There's Jack Nicholson's golf. Um, Jack Nicholson? Oh, sorry. Yeah, not not that Jack Nicholson. Um, <laughs> or Jack Nicholas, sorry. Jack I'm Nich- the yeah, one who's confusing it. Um, there are a few things like Ken Griffey Jr., there's a few ga- I mean, obviously Tiger Woods was PGA Tour, and I then what, Cyber play, Tiger. What? I'd play Bill Murray's golf. Now, Bill Murray is a celebrity who's very much into his golf. Really? I didn't wouldn't know that. that. Yeah, wouldn't that be a very entertaining game to play? With I just... The, those are Bill Murray one-liners as he plays golf. I could get behind that. I mean, like, he was in Caddyshack also, so there is heritage yeah. there for a Bill Murray golf game. Yeah. I don't think that's a bad idea, Tom Parry. I think, you know, <laughs> I think you should maybe pitch that to a game studio, see what happens. Maybe Netflix will fund it, like that special. Yeah, let's see if he's, uh, if he's into the idea. I mean, yeah. he loves golf, so... Why not? I mean, Why to not? be honest, the only he's celebrity... He's Tiger Woods. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone has to take Tiger Woods very seriously now because of certain debacles that the man's been involved in, and that's why it's now mm. Rory McIlroy's PGA Rory, Tour. Rory, yeah. Yeah. Look at me pulling out golf names. No, definitely not as funny as Bill Murray.
golfers, Tom Barry, some might say, aren't known for their sense of humour. No, 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 they're not, are they? Um, however, <laughs> a very fun game that I've played recently is Golf, golf Story. Story. For, how did you know? For the, I don't uh, know. For the Nintendo Switch, I mean, like we've recorded this bit a billion times now. No! What do you mean, Tom Barry? <laughs> anyway, sorry, I'm showing the cracks in our otherwise flawless podcast. Uh, but Golf Story is a fantastic game for the Nintendo Switch. And you might, may have heard of it already. It's had some very good reviews. A lot of people have been talking about it. It's sort of like uh, Mario Golf on the Game Boy Color. As well as getting a golf game, you're also getting an adventure game, getting an RPG. Yes, it looks kind of like Earthbound as well, visually yeah. aesthetic-wise. Yeah, it does. It's a really nice 2D aesthetic. It's uh, really a lot of quality, a lot of polish to go into it. Uh, also... It's a great multiplayer game as well. It was actually featured in a sale on the Nintendo Switch eShop recently. For how and much money? For This was about golf stories, about £10, £11. I can't remember exactly. Oh, that's all right. It I was like 15 usually quid 15, originally, 99, right? I think, usually. So you, yeah. it's a little bit of a saving. Apparently you can save up to 50% on games on the eShop now, specific multiplayer titles. There's also and we're not Fighter. sponsored by Nintendo. No. <laughs> So there's lots of games on there, including Street Fighter and uh, Worms WMD. Okay. So some great multiplayer titles, up to 50% off, apparently. That's all right. Yeah, We're not sponsored so by Nintendo in any way, so no, we're allowed to say no, things like we that. We are, we are, and uh, I would recommend picking up Golf Story. Uh, we jumped straight into a multiplayer game. I actually haven't played any of the single player yet. Uh, but the multiplayer was really fantastic, other than the fact that in order for you to recognise two players, you needed to detach the uh, Joy-Cons from either side of the console. Okay. Which is a little difficult when you're playing without a table. We were on a train, me and yes. my girlfriend, trying to play a golf story, with me resting the Switch on my lap and each having one of the, the Joy-Cons. Okay. And that you can quite like easily fun. play Joy-Cons without the added uh, attachment and wrist strap as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I never use the wrist straps. I, I like to freehand, as I call it. I just have my hands down by the side of my well, legs. And just we play never the put the uh, top bit on either. No, you don't need it. You don't need it. No. Yeah. I so, mean, it is fiddly with the L and R button if you don't, though. Those it is ones. a little fiddly, but uh, they work. You use it a little bit in Golf Story to decide. You can use it for approach shots. So if you want okay. a kind of a shorter shot, you hold down that as you um, set up your shot. Yeah, uh, everything works so intuitively. The game didn't even need a tutorial for us to work out how to play it. That's good. Uh, it's that intuitive, and really fun. We played uh, nine holes, uh, nice varied tracks. Also, this weird uh, thing on it where um, there's birds around the course, right. and there's a little radius and area around the birds. And if your ball lands within that, the bird will randomly take it and put it somewhere. Sometimes it can be a good place or a bad place. You know, you said birds are involved, and I was hoping they would be bastards, and you've not let me down. Yep, they're angry birds. Good. You don't shoot them out of a slingshot, do you? No, you don't, no. Good. But I, I tell you, I wasn't expecting that unique twist on the gameplay. You can play without them particularly affecting the game, as long as you play around them, but they yeah. do add an extra layer of strategy I feared it can be very quirky in places, that game, so I'd be curious. I think, yeah, without having seen the single player, I don't think I can quite uh, tell you how much quirkiness is in there, but uh, I'll be interested to try it. Okay. So that's that's Golf Story, that's that's really good. I may have to look into picking that up myself. It's a modern game, though, Matthew. It's a modern what? 
A modern game. A modern and game. as you were telling us on the podcast, no one else has heard that uh, you've been trying to steer clear of modern games recently. What are you getting at, Tom Parry? You shouldn't buy a golf story in this case. Yeah, that's probably true. But it does have a retro aesthetic, so does it count? <laughs> no, I mean, it does. I mean, but if we're going down this line of argument, perhaps I shouldn't have bought Monsanto World either. You didn't. I know I knew you did because I saw you posting about it on Twitter. I, I thought that's what you were getting at, Tom. <laughs> so I, I knew the say, interrogation I told, I told was you coming. so, Matthew. I told you so. No, you can't, Tom Parry, because mm. there was a loophole to begin with, and some people are trying well, to call me out on this it, loophole. I've been only playing it with friends. I've been playing it multiplayer. Ha ha ha! Oh, so that's ha. different. Did you say that was part of the clause that uh, you could buy modern games as long as they're multiplayer games? Well, no, actually, the part of the clause was I could play multiplayer uh, modern games if they had multiplayer. I kind of twisted it a little bit. So, so now Golf Story has multiplayer. No, that ain't gonna fly because <laughs> I know I'm gonna play the single player there. Um, no, to be honest with you, this was a should I re-up my Destiny season pass and play some more Destiny? I didn't really want to play any more Battlefield. So I was like, well, I need something to keep in contact with friends from back home. And so I ended up buying Monster Hunter Worlds. Now, I may understand Monster Hunter finally, Tom Parry. It may be the game that brings Monster Hunter home to me. As crazy as that might sound, it has been a bit of a learning curve to try and get things to work and trying to understand it. I did spend like an hour while chatting to said friends, pissing about with weapons. Oh, sorry. Pissing about with weapons. And I settled on a long sword. And then I saw, oh, you can buy samurai gear also. Maybe I should buy some samurai gear for actual money. And I did. And that was very nice. And now I look like a samurai, and it makes me feel very good about myself. I'm glad you you, you feel good about yourself because you shouldn't. I know, <laughs> but Tom Parry, it was all good. It was fun. Um, there is something very unique to playing that game as a group of people. Yeah. And to be honest with you, like I've even tried to play it the once when they were doing something on my own, and I kind of found it a bit boring. Like. Mm. There is something to chasing a monster, but you're literally just chasing something for 50 minutes, slashing it, and then it's over. Whereas when you're with people, there's definitely strategy to it, and you have to communicate, and you have to go, shit, I need to heal, and so someone else needs to run in and smack the monster in the face or distract them so you can heal, and it's a very fun experience. Now, obviously, Monster Hunter is a game with a lot of grind, and that's perhaps where me playing this as a multiplayer game isn't the best option. Because as I play more of it, there is no real curve between missions. It's just, hey, fight this bigger monster. But what that means is the game wants you to have spent like five, maybe ten hours grinding your equipment to fight that big monster, even though the quests are right after each other. You know, grinding your equipment sounds a bit rude. Yeah, it does. Um, (laughs) Also, a bit boring, to be perfectly honest. Really? Well, on your own, it, it can be. Yeah, so I I didn't... Oh, God damn it, Tom Parry. I didn't want to do it, so I haven't. And I haven't touched it now for a couple of days because a few of the boys we play with are on a stag party, so we haven't played. But you know what? I actually understand Monster Hunter now. I can see the mechanics of why people like that game so much. And I really think that if you, Tom Parry, mm, were, say, oh looking for a game for a Thursday and it was to come down enough in price... 
that you too may also enjoy Monster Hunter. Maybe I'll pick it up because um, at some point in the future, at the moment, we do Thursday. For those who don't know, who haven't listened to the podcast before, I, I'm every week I play video games with a friend of mine. Uh, his name's Gareth, and uh, when I was living in Denmark, we'd play every Thursday online. Now I'm back in the UK, you can actually come over. So yes. we actually haven't been playing uh, online games for, for weeks now. Uh, yeah. But, you know, inevitably I'll be in a situation where he won't be able to come over because you know, I'll be living elsewhere, hopefully, <laughs> at some point in yeah. the near future. Uh, and maybe we'll we'll pick up Monster Hunter then, give it a go. I really think you should. Honestly, I do think it is a quality game. And I'm Make not it sound really... like Gareth's the only person I ever play anything with. <laughs> no, no, I know that, obviously. But, like, I I really think there is a high degree of depth in the game. I've played it now... I had a, admittedly, like last weekend, I just went on a, a Monster Hunter binge. binge because I, I'd i been very stressed at work and I was like, okay, I need something well, to see, detox this me is a little it. bit. You may say to yourself, I won't play any more modern video games, but they're part of your life. They're, no, but they're, like, they're a pastime is... you enjoy. And See, but the thing is, Tom Parry, as I said on the podcast that died that will be on the end of this podcast, I hope it's in there anyway. Um, I do find playing games for a long period of time now a bit wasteful yeah and that that is something that still was there with monster hunter i did do a lot of other things those weekends even though i was i did binge for like a couple of hours on a saturday night i did do a lot of stuff that weekend i was reading books i was doing other things i was sorting out some wedding things like there was a lot going on because honestly i something is broken in my brain Whereas I used to not have a threshold for playing a video game. I could play a video game for as long as I wanted and I didn't feel bad about it. But now, it's not that I feel bad about it, but I just something in my brain will turn over and go, no, oh, you could be doing something else. Mm. I never play video games for long enough to feel like that. <laughs> no, that's true. You are a, a man who is able to limit himself pretty easily. Yeah, but that's the problem when you've got so many games and you're so interested in the uh, form of entertainment as I am. And wanting to try lots of things. To be honest with you, though, that's the interesting thing about this, is mm. if I had been, say, getting your Okamis, your Shadow of, of the, the Colossuses, and all of these other games that were coming out, and unfortunately Yakuza's delayed now until April, it would be something, I think, that I probably wouldn't have played Monster Hunter for as long as I am. Uh-huh. And I don't think I would have probably been as bowled over by it as I am because it is a game that requires a lot of time Yeah, and when it's the only thing I've been playing it's actually kind of nice to be able to give that time to it and focus on it mm, properly that's good yeah that, it can become a bit of a, a messy pastime when you're jumping between game and game and not really giving anything time to uh, you know develop well I mean this year especially isn't as it isn't as off to the races as 2017 was. Like There have been a few games that have come out this year so far that I've gone, oh, I'd like to play that, but yeah. it can wait. You see, I'm still playing games that were released years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I mean, I have been time. with Game Boy games yeah, too. Yeah. So I, I played, um, I mentioned this previously, uh, Duke Nukem Forever recently. Yeah. Wow, okay. I mean, you've played this game, haven't you? Yeah, it gave me motion sickness. It gave me motion sickness too, just like the original Duke Nukem did. Duke Nukem 3D, yeah. sorry, on the N64. Uh, funny that, isn't it? It's keeping up tradition of uh, providing motion sickness. Uh, I find that very curious. 
Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot to make you sick in Duke Nukem. So and when the uh, actual shooting um, mechanics aren't nearly as satisfying as they should be, no, the game sort of falls flat on its face. Um, it feels funny to be talking about this game in uh, retrospect now because it's been out for years and everyone's probably just washed out of their, washed a bad taste of Duke Nukem forever out of their mouth. But there are actually some nice things to say about it. I do like the initial setup, the interactivity with the environments and uh, how it sets Duke up at the beginning of the game and how yeah. before there's any shooting, there's a large portion where you're not doing much but interacting with, say, a pool table or a toilet or uh, or, or writing something on a, a blackboard or... There's yeah. all these things that you don't tend to find in first-person shooters. Even the remote control car bit in the beginning where you control a remote control car to get a key to go through a door. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I think Duke Nukem does a lot of things which first-person shooters generally don't do, which makes it quite unique. It's also quite a nice-looking game. Yeah, um, it is very good-looking yeah, from what I remember. Yeah, but it's just a shame that it is at heart a first-person shooter and it just doesn't do that part of the gameplay very well which is surprising because it was developed by gearbox yeah you know who what know went a thing wrong or there? Two about shooting. well i think that project had been in development so long it had passed from so many hands that by the time gearbox got their hand on it it was probably just from take two saying look get it out the door so they yeah. took what they had they they pushed it out apparently that game has a long and sordid development history where essentially they were trying to do new things with it all the time yeah. But then something would come out and change shooting or do it better. Mm. And so they would end up going oh, back to the drawing board on a lot of it. I get you. And that's how it goes, unfortunately. Mm. You know, that, that is the fast-paced yeah. world of first-person shooter yeah. development. That's so it. It's funny you put it up against a game like Doom 3, which was originally released uh, years ago. I mean, a few years before uh, Doom New Confederate, yeah, I think. Definitely, Doom 3, definitely. It, and, you know, Doom, Doom 3 shooting isn't as good as shoot- shooters feel now, but it is substantially better than what you get in Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah. Um, it's a funny old game, that. So I've been playing that too recently, and uh, the Xbox version, Xbox 360, compared to the original Xbox version that I played, is a lot brighter. Yeah. Funnily enough, I don't know what it is about it, but it doesn't feel as scary. Uh, and it's also very interesting to play a game that is so old, and you can see in some of the limitations of the graphics, like characters' heads, yeah. they should be bald and rounded. They're sort oh, of square, yeah, sort yeah. of squarish. And uh, there's very limited uh, facial animation that's, you know, for its time, it must have been quite good. Oh, God, I have vivid memories of Doom 3, man. Yeah. Like, my mate Dan had it. And he was he was he was a pro gamer before being a pro gamer was a yeah. thing, and uh, he used to go to Tank to Strike tournaments and all this on the weekends. Did you pretty damn well in them to be honest? Yeah. But it was back in the days when there wasn't really that much money in it. Uh-huh. And I remember being in his house and he had like a very good PC because mm. he'd won parts at some of the competition yep. he'd been at. And so I sat down with his Dolby like seven point one headphones. And I played a bit of Doom 3, uh-huh. and it scared the shit out of me. Because there's just bits where, like... Because it was meant to run on surround sound as well, because oh, yeah. that was around the time that surround sound started to become a big thing. It was like you could do pipes behind you, and then you just turn around, like, in your actual living room playing it and go, shit. And then you're like, no, there's nothing actually behind me. It's in the game, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's such a different experience to, say, the new Doom, isn't it? It's all mm-hmm. about suspense and atmosphere... 
Uh, it's yes. totally, totally different. Very um, much so. But, you know, it's good in its own right. And I did actually find myself playing it for quite some time. And a, a much more enjoyable experience than Duke Nukem Forever, I have to say. Yeah, and I mean, you know, both two game franchises that are going to have the best quality movies that have ever been produced. Doom 3's, of course, with Drain the Rock Johnson. Um, it seems like the Duke Nukem game, apparently directed by Michael Bay, uh, will feature Duke John Nukem Cena. Film, sorry. You... Yes, Tom yeah. Parry, have you not heard this wonderful news? Uh, no. Nope. John Cena is currently in talks to play Duke Nukem <laughs> in a Duke Nukem film that will be written and directed by Michael Bay. Oh, my Lord. Well, I yes. think that will probably suit Duke Nukem pretty well. You I reckon don't... John? Well, John I think Cena's a Michael Bay, Michael Bay at least at the helm, uh, yeah. would probably be a reasonable fit. I mean that bit I get. Like Mike, I'd also seen that Michael Bay had been trying called up to do something for DC that I the name escapes me. I saw that on Kotaku today. Yeah. But Michael Bay seems to be in demand at the moment because he's still making these Transformers movies, mm. which make a lot of money. Mm. But the. The split in cinema, as I see it right now, is essentially if you want a really, really dumb action movie, you go to see a Michael Bay movie. If you want something with a bit more heart, maybe you'd go see a DC or a Marvel film. Uh-huh. And they're actually just Hollywood's going, you know what? Fuck it. We'll have our cake and eat you too. Michael Bay to direct this. Yeah. But Michael Bay to direct a DC, not a Marvel movie. Yes. Yeah, well, I can but... understand that a bit because DC haven't had the, as, as much success, have they? No, they haven't. So they're looking towards develop. Uh, sorry, not developers, directors. You have had successes. I mean, as much as uh, the uh, Transformers films get criticised, they do draw in a lot of punters. But I, I, yeah, and I mean, I was going to say, I think that's because of the Transformers. But then yeah. Batman and Superman did the same, got terrible reviews, but a lot of people went to see it because yeah. Batman and Superman. Then oh, Justice well, League I mean, didn't, did it? It didn't get as many. You got, you got a few. You know, I still haven't seen that movie. Um, I see you're not missing much. No, and this is the thing. This is what everyone told me, so I didn't bother. Well, I wait in bated breath for a Duke Nukem movie. <laughs> I'm, you were the only one, Tom. You were the only one. But who maybe, would be in line. yeah, maybe I can kind of see the jawline with John Cena. Uh, but it yeah, will but be he's too clean cut. Yeah, yeah, that will be interesting to see John C- Cena play a character, but like that. But he is, you know, he is a charismatic uh, performer. Yeah, so he is. Don't he, get me wrong, the man I, can act. I think he might be able to pull it off, but it will be quite different from what he's done previously, yeah. I Honestly, I think he's too clean-cut to be Duke Nukem. We'll I see. Think he would ne- I, who would you cast as Duke Nukem? Well, that's a, that's a difficult thing, isn't it? I, uh, yeah. Drawline John Cena, perhaps, but uh, there's got to be an actor out there who could carry out that. Role, but it's got to be like a washed out, like 40 50 something guy because, like, Duke Nukem's not like a young guy in shape, like, John Cena's in like impeccable physical condition. Ah, Duke Nukem's got muscles, so yeah, but he's like past it, you know, he's like <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper and they live, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he seems to have he needs a little bit rough around the edges, doesn't he? Duke Nukem, yeah, exactly. And he's not really got that, but we'll see. Go on. Ma- ma- we'll maybe, see. maybe they'll change the actor. hopefully, it'll never happen. But let's hold on to He's our He's a great rest. character, though, and that's what makes playing uh, Duke Nukem Forever uh, Hang on. at least tolerable. Hang on. Is he a, is he a great character, though? He's a or great does character he just... because he's he's shameless, isn't he? He's like, it's kind shameless. of refreshing. 
Shameless in his absolute disregard for copyright law in the fact that all of his dialogue is made up of other action movies. Yeah, yeah. He's very much the McBain of video games, isn't he? Yes. Like, <laughs> good character, Tom Parry. Those are words, God. Oh, I don't know. I, I enjoy uh, Duke Nukem's presence in the video games. Uh, I I can't say I agree. Though okay. saying that, I do have the Game Boy Color Duke Nukem game. Now I maybe should explore that. Uh, that's probably that a side-scrolling platform game. Is I it? don't know. I mean, I'm... that's how Duke began, was it not? Yes, I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Anywho, anywho. I think we've given far too much time for Duke Nukem. I think so too. Let's move on. I think let's never mention Duke Nukem again until oh, yeah. the movie until the movie comes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully, it never will. Right? Uh, you bought played anything else? I, it's true that I that I have Matthew. In fact, I've I've uh, bought some games from our, our friend uh, Peter at Genki uh, Video oh, really? Games. Um, yes. It's been a while since I've picked up anything uh, from there, but I picked up a couple of fighting games for the Super Nintendo. Yeah. One, one called uh, Bastard. Yes, I know that game. Based on the anime. Absolutely not so good. I was going to say no. something else then. Uh, ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. I love uh, how you. I love how you swear in the title of the game, but then you won't swear in describing <laughs> it. Absolutely not so good. Uh, the reason being is I thought very much that it was a traditional one-on-one uh, beat 'em up. Yeah. It's not quite. It's uh, you're flying through the air. There's a very interesting uh, perspective thing it does. I don't know right. how if you've seen any of this game, but um, it's sort no, of I like uh, Fatal Fury. You know, you can jump in and out of the yes. foreground background, but all mm-hmm. you can do is throw projectiles. So the right. two characters can switch their position on on you know in the foreground background, but all you can yeah. do seem seems to be fire projectiles at each other. Right. Now, you have to tell me if I'm missing anything, anyone who's played this game, but uh, I found it to be a very shallow experience. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Oh, well, that's how it goes. I mean, you win some, you lose some. I'm quite surprised that you, Tom Parry, of all people, hadn't done your research on this one and watched some YouTube videos. It was a fighting game for the Super Nintendo, and it was cheap, so I thought, well... I mean, you know, as I've said to you earlier, when you were just like, oh, it was affordable... It is not the mark of quality, Tom Parry. This is the problem with me just lately. I've been trying just to buy cheap things. Uh, but then when you buy so many cheap things, you might have all just have bought one good thing. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it's quantity, not quality, Matthew. Oh, dear, Tom. And that is why the internet is the way it is. Um, I also bought another one, uh, but I can't remember what that was called now. I bought a few things on PS1. Uh, Bushido Blade 2, which... To my knowledge, never released outside of Japan. No, I think you're uh, right there. Yeah, um, and uh, a couple of Bleach games. Uh, I think the very first Bleach game for PS2, and one, and the first one on the PSP as well. Okay. And they, they play pretty well. Well, at least PSP one does. I've not had a chance to try out the uh, PS2 one as of yet. Well, give it a spin before next week and let us know how it is. I shall, yeah. I, I need to whip, whip out the uh, whip out the old Japanese PS2 because I also found a load of other cheap Japanese PS2 games recently. And, uh, oh, really? I had to pick them up. Uh, i tell you what I got. i tell you 
what I got, what I really, really got. I tell you what I got, what I really, really got. I got it. You got it. You got it. You got it. You got it. Ah, here we go. PS2 games. Yeah. Erementar Gerard. I have no idea what that is. That is a fighting game based on an anime, it would seem. Did you say Elemental Gerard? Yeah. Okay. Or Gerard. It's G-E-R-A-D. Er- and it's not elemental, it's erimentar. Erimentar. It sounds like somebody can't oh. speak properly. And they were trying to say elemental uh, Gerard or... <laughs> anyway, erimentar <Yeah>. Gerard. <laughs> yes, uh, maybe. Also, Castlevania. Uh, Lam- Lament, La- Lament, sorry. Sorry. Lament of Innocence, which is the PS2 Castlevania game. Yep. Which you know, the I was interested in the PAL version because it's a third-person action game, um, but that was too expensive for my taste. So I thought I'd get the Japanese one. Fair enough. Because <laughs> it was cheap. Heavy Metal Thunder. Have you heard of this game? It's PS2 one-on-one fighter. Heavy Metal Thunder. No, I haven't. It's based around one of them really popular heavy metal Japanese bands. Uh, Sex Machine Guns, I think, are involved with this. Do you know Sex okay. Machine Guns? No, I do not, Tom Parry. But I'm. I think it's basically person. their video game, which is a, a one-on-one fighter. Okay. Uh, Infinite World. Do you remember this? Dragon Ball Z Infinite World. You you have yes. that game? I do. It's, yes, it's, I, it's, I own it. It's incredibly cheap, <laughs> the Japanese version. So I picked that up too. Uh, Kiniku Man Generations. Kaniko Man Generations. Yes, uh, Muscle, Ultimate Muscle. Okay. Yeah, uh, the PS2 game for that, and that was cheap. And Critical Velocity, which is a uh, a Namco uh, racing game huh, or, okay. or driving game, driving combat game. It looks r- rather good, actually. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Namco and driving games usually uh, do do, right. do me rather yeah. well. So. Uh, yeah, a bundle of uh, oops, a bundle of uh, Japanese games I've picked up recently. Yeah, fair enough. I picked up one or two uh, extra Game Boy Color games uh, just purely on me looking through what I had, noticing some gaps, and actually starting to think about okay, I need less than two hundred of these now. Should I just start getting the last things I need before prices skyrocket? Sure. So I actually spent a lot of time this morning going through my list on RetroCollect and looking at roughly what prices things go for. Uh-huh. And as a result of that, I found one or two things that I was like, okay, they are they seem to be pretty cheap compared to what is generally being asked for those games. Nothing. There's nothing mind-blowing on this list of things. Okay. I freely admit that, but it was just some stuff that was like, okay. I'm interested, Matthew, and I'm sure listeners are too. Right, um, so we have, if I can figure out where I can see my things that I bought on their Mary eBay's. See, you're complaining you can't use technology. I can't either. Um, I right, hate so technology, fir- Matthew. Oh, technology's rubbish. So the first thing I, I bought was Barbie's fashion pack. Oh, wow. Uh, for the Game Boy Colour. Oh. See, I told you. You're starting um, at the top there with yeah, your favourite um, pickup. I bought a copy of Cool Hand, uh, which is a an original Game Boy game that's remade in Game Boy Color. It's actually like Texas Hold'em, hmm. but I have never actually seen a box copy of it. And there's a box copy for three quid. Nice. 
which is actually a lot less than the cart goes for. So I was like, okay, cool, I'll take a box copy for three quid. Similar vein, I picked up a copy of NASCAR 2000 um, because I had never seen a copy of this game and a box copy was £2, so I took that. And I also got a copy of Inspector Gadget uh, Operation Mad Cactus, uh, which is not a game I've ever seen with a European label, and that was also three quid, so... As I said, nothing spectacular, none of the big purchases, but fortunately for me, Moomin's Tale seems to have shot up in price. I already bought that. Mm. Um, probably the Mega Man games are probably the ones that are going to be the biggest pain in the ass to get, and I should probably get those sooner rather than later. But I have everything else. Survival Kids, if you remember this game as well. It's a Konami game where there's two kids trapped on an island and you need to literally survive on the island. It's a pretty good game. Yeah. But... It has seemingly shot up in value. Like, box copies of that game now are going for upwards of £100. Um, so, if you do see a copy of Survival Kids, perhaps one worth wow. picking up. Wow, yeah. I've I've seen one before in my, in my time. I purchased my box copy, I believe, from Games World Bod for about 20 quid a couple of years mm. ago, uh, when no one seemed to care, just because I like the game. And, yeah, seems to have been a, a worthwhile investment, at least. Yeah, but other than that, not a lot my end. I haven't really been buying and playing stuff. Oh, actually, no, I tell a lie. <laughs> I picked up some Wii U games yesterday also. You did um, I did. Uh, someone had a huge pile of Wii U games, and they were 15 kroner each. Hey, so that's, I was that's like, good. Yeah, it was. So I got Assassin's Creed 3. I got Black Flag, which unfortunately the disc wasn't in there. Oh. So I'm on the lookout for a disc. Well, that's a nice box anyway. Yeah. Um, I got <laughs> you need one. Uh, a Lego Marvel Super Heroes, the first one, and also a copy of... Oh, God, what was the last thing? Oh, The Hobbit, uh, Lego Hobbit game. But they were 15 kroner. They were Wii U games, the ones I didn't have. Mm. So I was like, oh, yeah, cool. If I see things like this for the Wii U, I'm just picking them up now. I, I've got so many games to that system that I'm over halfway to the full set anyways. So That's maybe nice. that will be a thing that happens organically. Who knows? Uh, I have quite a few Wii U games myself. You do? The only one I actually still want, though, I believe, if I'm being truly honest with myself, is um, Kirby's Rainbow Paintbrush, because oh, yeah. my fiancé Marta really enjoyed playing it when we were at EGX about three years ago. Did you get the other Kirby game up. on it? I did indeed, yeah. yeah. I've got the other Kirby game. That the name escapes me. But... There is another Kirby game. I'm not going mad. No, there I? isn't. No, that was on uh, 3DS, the one you're thinking of. There's Battle Arena on the 3DS, and there's also the robot one. Oh, Sorry. No, it's okay. My knowledge but... of Kirby is... Uh... Apparently, there's a new Kirby game out oh. on the Switch. I believe it may already be out. Um... No, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't think it's that yet, Matthew. I'm I'm pretty sure it's it's getting there. Have we talked, talked about one. Labo on this podcast yet? Uh, I don't think we have. Oh, actually, Kirby's out in March. There Look at go. that. Soon. That'll be nice. Soon. Yeah, after... That will come Labo, uh, which is a very, very exciting looking thing. Well, I think we touched upon it in the the deleted episode, as we will call it, but it'll be on the end of this one anyway. So okay. just a few words on it, I think, Tom, just in case it got uh, Labo looks very exciting. I think it's yes. uh, a very fun thing that uh, makes me just think of uh, how it could be used in maybe schools and such. 
Yes, um, I, I pre-ordered it immediately uh, because I was very excited by the concept of it. Yeah, essentially uh, it's one of them fun... It makes me think of all the little fun toys you had at school. They, they were maybe more educational than Labo. But Labo is about construction, isn't it? It's, it's, it's you know, like a toy like Lego, you know. It, it's combining construction with uh, video games in, in yes. a way that's very tactile. Yeah. Uh, very interactive, very... It seems like magic, doesn't it? It seems a little bit of magic. Yes, it uh, does. And, you know, yeah. I think that making it out of cardboard makes it seem very accessible as well to yes, everybody. It and it doesn't look like it's going to be too complicated to create these uh, contraptions that you put your, uh, um, what they call, Joy-Cons in. Yeah, it seems pretty good. Did you watch any of the... Apparently Nintendo have done some things in the States over the past week or two where they've got YouTubers and influencers in to see the Labo stuff and they've made them and then played some things. I saw some stuff online, some videos of people playing with uh, Labo and uh, yeah, I was very impressed. It looks very cool. I'm very interested in it. Like I said, I pre-ordered both sets, both the basic one and the robot one, so I'll let you know how they are. Okay. They don't count as new games? No, they don't. Um, (laughs) Purely on the grounds that... I I'm more interested in the building aspect actually than and anything also, else. Yeah, and also that's not going to uh, take up all the hours of your day, is it? Playing Nintendo Labo, I think it's one of those things you just whip out and have a, a little bit of fun with. And uh, but yeah, I do feel like you've got uh, a target audience of children with this one. Yeah, for sure. I think so too. Uh, I can't imagine many adults. Uh, I mean, I mean they'd have a have a bit of fun with it, of course. But, yeah, uh, exactly. But let's see. Yeah, as someone who loves toys and loves the medium of video games and combining these things together, Labo is incredibly exciting and uh, I look forward to experiencing it at some point in the future. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is that it, Tom Parry? Does that bring us to the end of the first official... I think that's a sensible place to leave it, considering if if you do put the other one on the end, then uh, it certainly gives gives the listeners something to uh, enjoy. Yes, hopefully it will. Make up for all the 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 weeks we've been away. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, Well, you can find us in the variety of the usual places at facebook.com forward slash Tom Matt Attack, at TMA Cast on Twitter, um, and you can find Tom and myself at Game Boyle and Tom Parry 11 therein. Uh, We're also on iTunes and Stitcher. While you're in iTunes, why not give us a cheeky rate and subscribe? That is, of course, if you're not listening to us, on blastprocess.com or tomamattack.com forward slash podcast if your browser allows you to get there. Anyways, until next week, everybody, I, I think it's time for us to say goodbye. So what do we tell them at the end of every podcast, Tom? On game. Oh, we've done that gag before. Game on. We have. <laughs>